Welcome to Red Leg Nation Radio, your home for discussion and analysis of Cincinnati Reds baseball all year long. Now here's your host, Chad Dotson. Hello everyone and welcome back to Red Leg Nation Radio. This is episode number 399 of the world's most dangerous podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. With me again this week, a, a frequent guest here. I'm glad to have him back again. Uh, and uh, was at least two or three times now we've talked around this time of year. Always excited to do that. It's my buddy Freak Base. How are you? Hey, how you doing? It's good to hear your voice, and uh, thanks. Uh, excited to be back on the show for sure. Absolutely. Now, Freak Bass, you know because he uh, the, uh, the the music that you hear, the intro before the show, that's uh, that's uh, off the uh, off the bass guitar of, uh, yeah. of Freak Bass, who's a, a funk bassist and um, just a fantastic. And and you know, we gave a little teaser for the the intro to our new podcast. We're getting ready to relaunch. I mean, same podcast, just changing the name and rebranding a little bit, but. New freak bass music uh, in that video as well. Thank you very much for uh, for contributing as you uh, as you have over the years to uh, to this uh, oh. dangerous podcast. Oh, I mean, I'm I'm very 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 you know happy and honored that you asked me to be a part of it. And I always like you know I'm a, I'm a you know fan of the podcast obviously too. And it's it's always good to um, you know hear. I'm like oh yeah I kind of I forgot how to play that one you know and because uh, some of those songs we don't play, like milk which is milk hunt which is the one that mm-hmm. you uh, have on now we, we play it every once in a while but we, we don't play it a whole lot live so it's good to good to good to get that back in the ears so I appreciate that yeah absolutely so no we re- we appreciate it as well and of course and the reason you're on is not just because you know I like uh, talking to you we talk, like to talk about you know movies all kinds of things but it's, it's yeah. Cincinnati Reds here and we will talk a little movies later but. Um, but you're you're born and raised in Cincinnati, I guess. I am, and and you know, it's uh, the the Reds have been a you know a part of my life for as long as I can remember. My mom was a huge Reds fan, um, um, and brought me to games when I was little. And she was I always I always they were always in my house. I played baseball when I was a kid, you know, up until. 13, 14, when I basically got my guitar and bass. And then I was like, oh, that seems to, that, that's kind of where I started heading. And I didn't think I was going to, you know, I knew I could play bass, but it was with BASS. That was kind of more my thing without the SC. So, yeah. <laughs> there, there you go. So, uh, and we, we do, we're going to talk, we're going to do a deep dive into what's going on in the world of the Cincinnati Reds. And uh, I always like talking to, talking to you because, uh, you know, you, you, you try to stay relentlessly optimistic, which I definitely uh, appreciate. And so, so we'll, and there's some things I need to hear your take on that have happened recently, but sure sure before we do that uh november 26th funk's giving tell me about funk's giving on november 26th uh, the concert you got yeah well i mean first off excited to be we haven't played cincinnati you know and over not pushing on two years now because um because of the pandemic and we've played we have played some shows we played some outside festival shows over the summer but n- none in the area and um and you know we had we had started this tradition. I mean, what would have been I guess this year would have been like our eighth or ninth year in a row had you included last year of always playing the day after Thanksgiving. And uh, so we started calling it Funksgiving because it kind of kind of went along with it with the holiday. And um, um, we've been doing them mostly at the Southgate House over the last few years. But right before the pandemic, we started playing at a newer venue in Cincinnati, which is called Ludlow Garage uh, on Ludlow Avenue and 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 uh, Clifton. And uh, Ludlow Garage, uh, besides, I used to live on Ludlow for a real long time, so that was kind of neat. But the um, but the the venue itself, you know, it's got this amazing history. You know, back in the '70s, you know, everybody from Almond Brothers to Grateful Dead, I believe, uh, Frank Zappa, like any band that was a touring band at that time would come through the Ludlow Garage. And I, I think I was telling you before we went on tonight that I think, and and don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty sure there's actually like a 
Almond Brothers, like a live from the Lobo Garage album out there, or maybe it's just uh, something that's floating around the internet. But it's you know it definitely had this really great musical history, and um, and it, you know in a few years ago they 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 opened it back up, and it's uh, Kevin Blum who used to run. Um, I used to book the club Ripley's in Cincinnati back when I first started playing live shows right out of high school is now book bringing all the bands in there. And he's an incredible talent buyer and, um, great guy really knows how to put on good shows. And, um, you know, he said, you know, why don't we do this year? Since it's your first time back to Cincinnati in almost two years, why don't we kind of make it a whole big event? And so, um, so yeah, so here we are. So this Friday will be the first time we play Cincinnati again, at least 18 months, I guess. And, uh, uh, Friday, November 26th. It is, um, it's an all ages show. Um, tickets are available now everywhere and they're, they're, they're going fast, which is really nice to hear. I think people are really excited to get out. I can't wait to actually see people in person. I've been doing tons of online stuff over the last year, but it's, you know, haven't really seen a lot of people up close. So, and we got, we got Sammy Garrett flying in from New York who, you know, has, has sung with me a lot. She plays in another group called Turquoise and, um, and, um, yeah, she's the one, Sammy's actually the one speaking of the red, Sammy's the one when we did the national anthem, she did the national anthem with me down at great American ballpark, uh, the, what was the 2019, uh, season. And, um, so, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great event. We got some crazy stuff planned in terms of like the show itself, talking about movies. I'm not going to give out too much, uh, hints about it, but it's a, it's going to be a crazy, crazy show. So, uh, uh, so I, I just, you know, I hope everybody that can come out, you know, it, it's a great day to come out. You know, we did it always. The reason we chose that day, even years ago, a lot of people are in town for the holidays, you know, visit their families and stuff. So we thought it would be a nice day to, to, uh, to do that. So, yeah, so that's it. I think that's pretty much everything it. Yeah. Outstanding. You know, I, I'm still don't understand how, how you've been asked to uh, do the, national anthem at great american ballpark and they haven't asked me yet hey it's your day will come it's coming <laughs> they're, they're just they're just looking for that right maybe they're you know what it is they're waiting for you for the world series is what it is <laughs> oh, that's what it is yes, yes. well yes. okay i hope it's a whole other subject right? i hope that i'm still able to walk out on the field by the time they make it back to the, <laughs> the world series um so let's talk about the reds and and, and you know going back to uh, uh to music just for a moment i guess uh, is the, really the first time i came across uh your work was this uh, how did this what was this uh, album of of red's tunes that that ca- they put out like what was, it had to be like 2004 2005 when and what was it called see i should have this is all the prep work you get for the world's most dangerous podcast but you had a, you had a, a song on that album that i that i loved and i, I heard it at the the stadium i was like what is that Reds fan was the name of it. So uh, can you give me the genesis of that before we talk about current day Reds? Because I know a lot of people, certainly of, of, of my generation, uh, heard that album. And it was a, it was a fun thing uh, at the time. Yeah. So uh, David Storm and David was um, he used to do all the scoreboard operations at, at Great American Ballpark. He now actually he's now with the Orlando Magic. He's been and now actually he like runs the whole all the inter- anything to do with entertainment or like the visuals, anything that's not basketball related that you see at a basketball game, David does all that now. He's like obviously moved up over the last few years, but but uh, David used to do this for the Reds, and um, he was a, f- a fan of Freak Bass, and so um, and he knew I was a fanatical Reds fan as well, and so he called me. It wasn't just me; it was um, everybody, a bunch of the bands. I think the Psycho Dots did a song, and a lot of bands around the Cincinnati area. And they said they were putting out a CD um, for the Reds Community Fund. It was to raise funds for the Reds Community Fund. And um, 
if I would be interested in writing a song about the Reds. And of course I was like, you know, yes, gosh, of course. And, um, so it was really neat, the evolution of the song. First off, like right off the bat, I, I, I wanted to make a song that was going to be timeless in the sense, like at first I was real tempted, you know, that was Adam Dunn was playing for the Reds then, obviously King Griffey Jr. So I was real tempted to start, you know, doing some name drops and pull those in the lyrics. I'm like, you know what, I want this song to hopefully 10 or 15 years from now, even 30 years from now, who knows, still be able to, you know, people will be able to sing it and play it and stuff like that. So I tried to keep it real I'm a Reds fan. Doesn't matter what era you're from, whether you're from the you know the 40s and 50s or you're from the 20 2050s. And um, so um, so it was just basically about you know the lyrics were about being a Reds fan. I'm a Reds fan, and and um, and that lyric stuck, and it, and it was pretty easy for me to write lyrically because of basically I just jotted down like the reasons I was a Reds fan and put a little groove to it essentially, and. Um, and then, you know, after the song started getting a little traction and they started playing it um, at the ballpark, like not, I think they still do actually uh, nightly after the after the games. Um, and um, but he said a couple I think a year or so went by and he said, hey, would you be into doing a video for the song, too? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So we I think it was the summer of 2007, I think um, we went down and um uh, to the ballpark during a game. Uh, as a matter of fact, I even remember who was pitching that night. Eric Milton was pitching that night. That's that. Oh, that's that's no, taking no. you back. Yes, the mighty Eric Milton. And um, so we filmed the whole. Like we went through the crowd. We did it on the field. You know, before after the game. And um, so then a couple years went by. That you know, well, 2010 happened obviously. And so we did. We basically I went in the studio, kind of remixed it, updated the song a little bit, and we did another video. Brought Bootsy in. And some other uh, local personalities and stuff. I think Kim Brew was in it, and um, and uh, and you know every few years, you know, as the Reds got into the playoffs, we would update the song. I think there's been like three video versions of it so far, and um, with little updates to the to the mixing and stuff. So it's kind of stood the test of time, you know. I mean, it's a you know a message anybody understands. I'm a Reds fan. That's what I am, and. Um, and I'm just, you know, super excited that that they're still actually, uh, you know, that the people still even know what the song is. I still get people coming up to me. Here, I'll tell you actually a really funny story, actually, real quick. And, and then um, we played down at the Reds game and played. This is like 2012, 2013. And so I was done up in all my crazy freak bass garb. And a gentleman walked up to me and um, he was he's like, I'm a season ticket holder. I love your song. We listen to it every night on the, on the way to the radio. He thought that I was almost like a gapper, like like the Reds hired me, like he didn't know I was playing there. He thought I was just, they dressed me up like quote unquote freak bass, and then I'm like like one of the people they put around the ballpark and go and meet and greet people, <laughs> which I thought was like I'm like that sounds cool. I would love to do that. That'd be great. So it was it was really funny because he just he didn't even know we were playing, and it was just that was a funny story. But um, That's but great. yeah, I mean obviously yeah, it, it, it was it's, I'm always pinched myself about that. And then of course she mentioned the, the you know the uh, the national anthem thing was like well oh and real quick. Then that same year, actually, they had me come out and throw the first pitch too, as well. So, which was that was incredible, incredibly nerve wracking too, if you've never done it. And um, and then this past, well, twenty nine, not past season, but twenty nineteen, um, uh, they asked if you know we'd be willing to do the national anthem, and that was that was like 
the you know that was something that I've dreamt since I've been sure practically pick, picked up the bass you know and um, you know I've obviously seen Flea does it with um, when he does the Los Angeles Lakers you know to, for his team and uh, I know Fish had done it for for the Cubs before and um, so you know that was always a dream of mine and to be able to do that you know it was that that still seems that whole experience still seems super freaking surreal to me that that even happened so it's crazy stuff yeah well for those of you that are listening imagine if you know as big a reds fan as you are if you got to sing the national anthem throughout the first pitch i mean that's the way uh, the reason i frame it like that is uh, you know i know you're a extremely talented uh, musician but uh but you have this kind of thing <laughs> that we all have that's kind of infected us unfortunately uh with the cincinnati reds um yep and the reason I mentioned, wanted to mention uh, Red, Reds fan, the song Reds fan as well, is that's, that's pretty. That's a really good intro for those of you that aren't, uh, you know, uh, necessarily familiar with your music. That's a great intro for this audience to uh, to, to kind of see what your, uh, uh, you know, uh, what your kind of uh, I don't know musical sensibilities are. I guess I think yeah. it's a great intro to me. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, you know, that song, you know, even on a musical, besides even what the lyrical content is based on, even on like a musical side. Um, you know, I did, mo you know, I did that, produce that all in the studio. Um, and it, I think it's a good, from growing up in Cincinnati, my funk history, Cincinnati's funk history, it's, you know, it's, it's not just the Reds. It's also like this whole musical history that we have here in Cincinnati. I think it really, you know, kind of encapsulates a lot of that in that song itself too, or at least I tried to as good as I could. Well, it's, uh, it is, it's great. Um, I'll say this, one of those times that you, uh, did a video, for the song, you, I don't know if you probably don't remember this, but you, you reached out to me and said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you show up here at this time and, uh, you be in the video with us? And I could, I just couldn't get away to do it. I wanted to. Oh, so, that, yeah, that yeah. was a 2010 version. I remember yeah. that. Yeah. So the next time, I'm, I'm just telling you now, the next time you, uh, do an updated video, I will be there. I'll change things to whatever I have to do to be there uh, for that video. Well, when they go to the World Series this year, we'll do it then. All Bingo, right. man. <laughs> there we go. Oh, from your uh, mouth to God's ear, as they say. <laughs> um, Let's talk about the uh, the Reds now. It's been an interesting uh, couple weeks for the Reds. You know, we've not done a, a live podcast. We're on a, a bit of a hiatus as we get ready to relaunch, as I said. And um, and so, we, you know, we've talked about what's going on. But uh, now that we've had a little bit of time to kind of digest what's been going on in Reds' world here recently, I mean, it's really interesting to hear what you think about these, uh, you know, the trade of Tucker Barnhart, the, uh, you know, uh, basically – uh, Nick Castellanos, uh, you know, exercising his option and, and taking off, and, and the Reds uh, probably not going to get him back. Um, maybe we'll see. But uh, and then of course the uh, Wade Miley losing Wade Miley on waivers, and I, I was fairly critical as I am sometimes. Uh, I go back and forth between. I really want to be optimistic because I love this team and I want to sure. think the best about it. But then I see some things that happen that really just it grinds my gears, as uh, as Peter Griffin would say. Um, it was a tough week to be a Reds fan when all that was going on, I guess. And and, and then Nick Carl saying, uh, yeah, well, we got to get rid of money. To me, it was really difficult to hear because, oh, no, we're, we're doing this thing again. How did how did all that, uh, you know, how, how are you working through all that as a fan? You know, I, none of it, with the exception of maybe the Miley thing, nothing was that surprising to me. I mean, I think we all knew. Yeah. The Barnhart thing was probably going to happen. And, you know, there's part of me, it's like, as we know, and, and you've discussed even on your show, it's uh, it's obviously Stevenson's time to shine now. I mean, he, you know, and not that they couldn't have kept him, obviously, and, you know, and and had them still work in tandem like they had been. But, um, you know, I, I, 
I, I think I get it, you know, and, uh, and I'm still, you know, I still, maybe I'm super, super crazy naive and I'm reading between the lines too much, but I still have a small amount of hope that Castellanos still may be in a red uniform next season. You know, um, yeah, again, another thing you mentioned on the show, one of the reasons he did flourish so much is obviously his numbers, you know, were great all year, but they were exceptionally great in great American ballpark as we know. And, um, and the way that the Reds have embraced him, the fans, and you know them even putting him up on the huge billboard, you know that 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 which almost like that iconic shot with the, you know him like screaming over the Cardinals. The uh, best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's such a great. I mean, that's like timeless. And uh, and um, so, you know, I, it's if if we were if we were having this conversation, I guess maybe in uh, late December, early January, I might have a different take on it. Um, but still being November now, um, you know, uh, the way that they've communicated a lot of the moves to the press has been, you know, definitely clumsy, I guess is the easy way to say it. Less than ideal. Yes. Yes. Less than ideal. Um, and, um, but you know, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I, I always wonder, like, I always wonder, like, you know, like the year that the Kansas city Royals went to the world series did, um, you know, were they like, was, what were, was the Kansas city version of your podcast were those, those people kind of having those same conversations that we're having right now? I mean, I don't know, but you know what I'm saying? So, um, baseball is such a, as you know, it's all about getting to the playoffs as you always say. And it's just like, once you're there, then anything, it's anybody's ball game. But, um, I'm still up again, when we get, if it gets to be January, February and, this kind of craziness is still going on. And, and I mean, cause there's, I mean, my gosh, there's uh, you know, as, 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 as much of a glass half full guy as I, as I am, there's a lot of questions. It's not, you know, the, the, the catcher question is not, that's not even something I'm really even worried about. Even the pit, the, at least the starting pitching, maybe I should be more worried about it with the Wade Miley thing, but I'm not yet. I'm mean, I get it. Relief, relief pitching, different story, but starting pitching, not, but, um, but, you know, third base, you know, uh, what's going to happen there? Um, if Castellanos doesn't come back and, and my dreams aren't answered, right field, you know, center field, you know. So you've got like those are the questions that I'm really I, I hope that whatever, however, they're allocating their funds and they're, you know, shifting this to here to there that there is a plan for that. I mean, again, you know, that's my optimistic self. <laughs> you know? No, I get it. And, and there are a couple things there I want to try to unpack uh, for just a moment. Uh, you know, to me, I'm, and you know, you're a loyal, uh, loyal viewer of the podcast. You know, I, I, I'm reading between the lines and I know what they did when they got rid of uh, Rosella Glacius and Archie Bradley last year and they didn't ever reallocate those funds. And right. You're and, right. And, and, and so, uh, and then the things that every time that and my problem with the Tucker Barnhart trade, as I said at the time, was not that they traded Tucker. I mean, I love Tucker. I wanted Tucker to be a lifetime red, frankly. Sure, me you too. Know, yeah, backup catcher, whatever. It, it's not a huge deal in the scheme of things, um, and not surprising really. But just that every time they open their mouth, Nick Crawl opens his mouth. It's we're poor, we're poor, we're poor. And, I, and, and to me, that signaled something that concerned me. But the flip side is the Reds won eighty three games this year. You know. Um, and they do have some holes that you've identified, but they're really not that far from. How many games did the Braves win? 87, 88? The yeah. other Braves are the 2021 World Series champions. And so, they were under 500 in early August. I have a friend that's a, a like hardcore Braves fan, and he, you know, we would, he, I'd hear about them almost every day. And yeah, they were, you know, I think early August they were under 500, you know, so. Yeah. 
you know so so that's maybe that's what frustrates me more is that i'm reading between the lines but i also see a reds team that you know you don't have to do a whole lot to improve them to be a competitive team and no. it, and that's frustrating to me but but you're also saying something not you're not using the words that i always use but you're saying something that I, I say all the time which is well let's not get uh, you know upset about a problem or something about the reds doing something they haven't done yet we don't yeah. we don't know that they're not gonna that they're not gonna uh you know improve the team i think there's some signs they're not but um i can't remember who it was. i think calvin coolidge uh once said if you see 10 problems rolling down the 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 road at you just stand still nine of them are going to roll into the ditch you don't have to worry about them so let's not get too upset before the problem right. actually gets here but the other right. thing i want to say was um, what, what, anything you have to say about that before I move on? I want to talk about Castellanos. No, 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 no. I, 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 go ahead. Yeah, just continue on. Yes. Okay. Uh, with respect to Castellanos, I think that there is a – I don't think he's coming back to Cincinnati. If I were a betting man, that's what I would bet. Sure. I don't, I don't know if they have that on uh, you know DraftKings uh, prop bet for that. But I think that you're not wrong at all. I think there's a better chance that he returns than anyone recognizes. For a number of reasons. You mentioned a bunch of them. You know, Cincinnati was good to him in terms of the stadium and in terms of the fan base. Uh, he's, yeah. He became a star here. Yeah. Uh, won a Silver Slugger this week. Uh, you know, Joey Votto got robbed again, but Nick Castellanos won the Silver Slugger Award. And he now has one more Silver Slugger Awards than Joey Votto has. Which, come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Um, the, the other things, though, that are out there are that we don't know how the... So, so that's my first argument. He has a lot of reasons to like Cincinnati. Now, it's going to come down to money, ultimately, as it does most of the time. And Scott Boris right. is his agent. But still, that that is a column in our favor. The other is that we don't know how this free agent market is going to go. Yeah. And um, it, it's not been good the last couple of years. And we have this looming, uh, potentially, a, a work stoppage coming with the, the, the collective bargaining agreement expiring. And we just don't know what's going to happen. So things could get crazy. And... Um, you know, what if he came back to the Reds and said, okay, let's, let's sign two years for a slightly more than what was on the two years that I opted out of. Mm-hmm. Now, is Bob Castellini, or really Bob's not in charge anymore, it's Phil Castellini, according to what I'm, I'm, I'm being told, but are they going to say, okay, we'll pay you that? I don't know that that answer, but I think that they, I think that there's not, it's not impossible that he comes back. <laughs> now, have I persuaded anyone? I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be an attorney uh, uh, during the day, and I just... Uh, that uh, I'm not sure I made a great argument there, but that's my argument. What do you think? Well, and let me ask you this: you, you know, you keep bringing up the the money thing. Do you think it's money or do you think it's years? I mean, I know it's both. I get that, but I'm saying like, you know, like let, let's say your argument about or your no, your, or your not argument, but like your scenario where he would come to the Reds and say, "Hey, to give me two more years, but let's add some more money to that, and I'm here." Or do you think it might be more mm. along the lines of add a few more years to that? The str- you know, we'll keep the same money that you're giving me for the next two years, but let's add two or three more years onto that. You know what I mean? More that scenario. To me, that seems like, you know, if he's, you know, he seems like definitely a big family guy. His, his kids love it. I mean, if I was like wanted a little stability in my life, that would be more where I would be angling for would be the years versus necessarily just trying to get more chunk of money during a, a smaller period. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. You no, know what I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's absolutely a great point. And I don't know without knowing Castellanos personally, um, you're the one that's on field on the field at great American ballpark all the time. You probably know him better than I do, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, without knowing it's hard to, it's hard to say. Um, I think that's what most people want security and stability. Right. And, um, 
the fact of the matter is, though, he has he's he'll never have a better chance of getting that long term contract than right now. This is the best year he's ever had. Oh, for sure. He needs one sure. team to pay him, but maybe teams are going to be hesitant to do that. This we we don't know. I think actually a, a better, a more likely scenario of him returning would not be a long term contract with the Reds. I don't see him coming back on a long term contract with the Reds. I just don't see the Reds laying out that money. I hope I'm wrong. I could see him come back on a one year deal. So you think it's more on the the Reds would try to make it a shorter deal versus him trying to make it a shorter deal? No, I think both. I, I think both. He, okay. I think if he's not seeing the numbers he wants to see in the free agent market and with all this uh, you know uncertainty given the collective right. bargaining agreement, he may say, "Okay, I'm going to bet on myself for one year." Right, I got gotcha. you. And uh, you know, or, or or maybe you know what? Uh, that's why I say two years. Maybe uh, be able to opt out after next year as well. Something like that. To right, right. Um, I'll bet on myself. I'll have another great year, and then next year things will be more settled. We'll be even further away from you know the 2020 craziness, and yeah. um, and, and the collective bargaining agreement will be ironed out. And so then I can really cash in and sign a five-year deal somewhere for big money. We'll get that certainty. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of thinking through this in my head as we talk because again, I don't do any preparation before these things. Right, but right. Uh, but there's a there's a path I think. Him coming back, and again, this may be me just trying to be optimistic as well. But I, I think it's realistic. There's a path for him to return. Yeah, I think so too. And you know, again, you know, it was earlier in the Castellini's, you know, ownership. Obviously, when this all went down, it was they were only what four or five years in at that point. But still, I mean, uh, I still would have never, even to this day, was even back then, even when I knew then back then. I'm not Monday morning quarterbacking on this. I still would have never predicted the Votto thing in a million years. That's still, even to this day, still blows me away that he's still a Cincinnati Red. I'm like, that's still, it's just like, I just didn't think that, you know, and I just didn't think it was going to, you know, we all talked about it. We all thought the same thing. There's no way this guy's going to be in Toronto or, the, or you know, the Yankees or whatever. You know, it's yeah. like I just never would have thought. And, and you know, here, here he is still. You know, still here. So I, you know, you never know. You never, you know, you never know. You know, and and I think, and I think, you know, that's this talk about that. Let's talk about this in a money way, and the, like since that's obviously a big thing. And like, let's think about. I know you guys were talking a couple of weeks ago. I think it was you and Chris Garber, if I remember. I was talking about the comparing the Reds to the Tampa Bay Rays in terms of like the way it's run, and um, you know, did they get more bang for their buck? from people selling Votto jerseys over the last 10 years or whatever, then, then they would have gone going to necessarily one world series. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, maybe. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe, you know, cast, uh, Castellanos has that same kind of star power that Votto has. He definitely, uh, as we see, I mean, he's, you know, incredible in Cincinnati, in camera and, mm-hmm. uh, for sure. Yeah. Which is all that matters to them, you know? And, um, so maybe they're like, you know, he's someone that we could invest in this because we're going to make just on our merchandise sales alone, we're going to make a chunk of that back. You know, that's just something to think about. You know? that, that, no, you're absolutely correct. I mean, that's it. That's an interesting thought. Um, yeah. If you're looking for a guy to market, he, a guy that, you know, he came in and just uh, blew everyone away, frankly. And, and not because he's necessarily that personable or camera friendly or anything like that, but he plays his, he plays his butt off and he does have a little bit of this, this personality, like I want to win, you know, it, it kind of comes across and, and I think Reds oh, yeah. fans took to it, you know, that, that flex. Well, I mean, they, they use that, that, you know, that one, you know, on even the Reds official Twitter page, they, every time they won, they use that little clip of him every single day. I mean, you know, uh win or whatever it was i think it was just like a little gift that they had that they would yeah. show every day of him you know and yeah so he's very you know he's very since you know 
quote unquote Cincinnati, you know, people like that, that shot of him, like leaning over, uh, 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 Molina there, you know, in the dirt, that was just, I mean, that was, you couldn't have painted a better picture of that, you know? So, well, that's, you know, who knows? That's a great point. You say, quote unquote, he's, he's quote unquote Cincinnati. Um, I think to an ownership group that really wanted to care about this, that's where I get hung up. I'm not sure they care enough, but, um, he is the type of guy that has traditionally appealed to Cincinnati Reds fans in some ways. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's hard nosed. He's, you know, uh, win at all costs and, you know, um, he plays hard all the time. Uh, so if you were, uh, if you were suspect about reasons for why Reds fans, uh, like certain players, you might say he's white. I'm not going to get into that conversation today, but he's the typical, you know, um, sure. Chris Sabo type guy, except, you know, right. So he was a silver slugger winner. He was an all star. I mean, plus, plus, I don't mean to interrupt you, no, go ahead. but also plus, um, if he, if they made that one move that you know just got him back, a lot of other moves that you know that people might get worked up or upset about, they'll be they'd be able to hang their hat on that one move. It'll whitewash. You know what I mean, it. interesting. Yeah. So you know that's another thing to think about too as well. You know, it's like how we did with Votto. You know, we always had Joey. No matter how good or bad the Reds got, we always had him around to always hang our hat on, you know, and he'd be, he'd be like another version of that, you know, so something so, else, you know. So from a PR perspective that if, even if the Castellanis wanted to slash and cut payroll and kind of be cheap again, they could still kind of, from a PR perspective, paper that over by just bringing Castellanos back. Cause then people will think, Oh, they're bringing back the guy we love. Um, and so I think all the people, the casual fans that aren't really paying attention would, would, Say all right, I'm 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 all in again. Ah, you give me some things to think about. This is why I have you on, man. Well, yeah, and I think if you do, you know, and not even just a matter of. I mean, I think you know. I mean, I think the, the whole another podcast. But I think you know, everybody wants to win. Castellini's want to win too. Everybody wants to win. Everybody knows winning causes. Even if it's strictly about money, everybody knows winning cause. You know, puts more butts in the seats. You know, that's just it is what it is. And. um if you have, if you did sign him back with what even you have, you know, even the little holes, you know, whatever center field ends up being, or if you're just going to kind of roll the dice with Suarez at third base, you still have him, Votto, who's still, you know, Votto might not be 20, uh, 21 Votto, but he's still going to be pretty darn good. You've got obviously, um, you know, um, uh, India. It's like, I mean, you've got a nice core of players with obviously someone, you know, with Hunter Green coming up. Yes, I mean, there's, mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of stuff to get excited about. You know, just adding that one, you know, the, a little stability in that right field position with someone that good, it would, you know, you've got a pretty darn good team, you know, with obviously relief pit, again, not a whole other conversation, but it's not, it's not, you don't have to squint that hard to say, like, these guys can really do something, you know? That's, that's what frustrates me about the idea that they may not kind of go quote unquote all in is that you're right. There is a real core here, and especially if you bring Castellanos back. And, and you've got these guys that are on the verge in the minor leagues of being legitimate uh, contributors on the big league level. It, it's, a, it's a situation where an ownership that was serious about winning could say, okay, we're going to spend a little bit of money. Yeah, we screwed up with Moustakas probably, and who knows what happened with Suarez. But we're going to spend a little bit of money because we are really on the precipice of a, an opportunity to be a competitive a team that can win the National Central Division for the next two, three years uh, or more. And, and I'm, I'm not sure that... Uh, that Phil Castellini's all in, you know. Every time you play the board game Monopoly, you got some jerk that always wants to say, "Ah, you got to spend money to make money." 
you know. And it's true though. But Phil Castellini's the guy that you know hangs on the Baltic Avenue, and that's all he wants. Yeah, he may he may go for the railroads, but that's it. Uh, he's not he's not going to buy a boardwalk. Come on. I don't know where that was going, but uh, <laughs> it's late in the evening, and I'm uh, confused about what's going on in Cincinnati. And, and you're confusing me more because you're trying to give me optimism, and I don't appreciate it, my man. I got to tell you, I don't appreciate it. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That's right. Yeah. Doc, Dr. Freak Base, call me in for any of the show. Yes. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Um, can we just briefly here, can we have, kind of have a requiem for Tucker Barnhart? Because that guy's had a good Reds career. I think he's a Reds Hall of Famer. I, you know, uh, two gold gloves and just what I saw from him this past year where he was really, truly, genuinely trying to mentor Tyler Stevenson, who he had to know was his replacement. Yeah, I just I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Tucker Barnhart, and not just because he's been on the podcast two or three times, um, but just because I think that guy's exactly the type of guy I want to root for. Any thoughts on Tucker Barnhart? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sure a lot of people think uh, that, like I do, I think you know he'll probably end up being uh, a manager someday, and um, you know, who knows, maybe for the Cincinnati Reds, and. Um, He's just again. We talked about uh, Cassianos being, you know, Cincinnati. He's very Cincinnati too, in terms of you know his work ethic, um, the way that he just took up the mantle. You know, when when Mezzarocco went down, you know, that was a that was a very turbulent period right there. That 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 the, you know when when he started having all those injuries, which was a shame. But and for him to kind of step up the way that he did, especially I mean defensively, the guy is still and still is 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 nails. And you said it. I mean, he's going to be. You know, he's going to be playing baseball for probably at least another, you know, maybe 10 years. Who knows? At least another five to seven years for sure with another. Obviously, what's he went to Detroit, right? Isn't that right? To the Tigers, right? Yes. Um, so, um, you know, he it's it was a shame again, you know, to read it. So it was a shame to see him leave. But, you know, um, it wasn't I wasn't a huge surprise, though. No, it wasn't a surprise, but uh, I don't know. Just I've I've never once. I wish he hit better sometimes, maybe, but I never yeah, once. Sure. Never once to kind of you know dislike the fact that uh, he was on he was on the Reds, right? You know, he he's yep. just he always acquitted himself well, and Godspeed to him. I guess is the only reason I wanted to talk about him a little more. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, totally. Yeah. All right. So um, you and I haven't spoken. I don't think about the uh, you know the Kyle Bodie things that went on. You know, Kyle Bodie director of pitching was uh, released and. I do want to talk just quickly about the Reds did announce that Derek Johnson, the pitching coach, is now going to be the director of pitching for the organization. And, um, you know, it's a situation where I love Derek Johnson as a pitching coach. And, you know, having him as the director of pitching is, seems to be a great thing. But I was very frustrated with the fact that the that, that Kyle Bodie left because of what it portended. But uh, but I was worried that Derek Johnson was also going to leave. So, you know, maybe he's, maybe he's sticking around along with uh, – along with David Bell. We can talk about David Bell in a moment as well, maybe. But any thoughts? And you may not. I didn't prepare you for this topic, but uh, about Derek no. Johnson. And, and, and I'm glad he's back. Yeah, and I thought it was a good move that they, you know, I mean, not only did they give him that new title, but they also extended him at the same time, didn't they? They um, did, and more responsibilities. Yeah, and Yeah, so, I mean, that that's a good sign. You know, obviously, that you know, the the obviously the starting pitching was, was our one of our biggest strengths, obviously, this year. And we've got some, you know, potential superstar starters coming up you know so it's good to know that they're going to be have that umbrella through their whole development even when they make that big leap into the uh into the big league so um that was very reassuring especially with all the other kind of you know behind the scenes stuff that happened that you mentioned too as well that was nice to see 
that that there is that stability there. So yes, I think it's a great move. Again, trying to look at it. Uh, hopefully, I, I love Derek Johnson, and it can't hurt to have him have him kind of leading the the charge up and down the organization. But I, I still think, uh, well, anyway, you've heard my thoughts on that. I'm not getting back into the Calvody thing. I'm just, we got to leave it behind, man. We got to look forward. No, uh, quick, but quick, quickly on him, real quick. Now he was with uh, Milwaukee right before he came with us, right? Wasn't he, he with Milwaukee? He was, yes. How did they? Why did they leave it? Let him go? I mean, was it just strictly money? I guess. I guess that's like anything. But I mean, like, how did he? How did we get him over here? You know. I mean, I know that was a Dick Williams thing, right? I'm sure because he was still at that point. Mm-hmm. But still, it's. Um, I'm just still kind of pinch myself when it's like, you know, why did the why did Milwaukee even let him walk? You it know? was yeah, it was within that period of about 18 to 24 months when Dick Williams was kind of given free reign to actually acquire uh, players and to acquire, yeah. uh, you know, coaches. Uh, he, yeah. it was, uh, it, that was the most, the, the fact of the matter is that period there where uh, they got Derek Johnson was as optimistic as I've probably been as a Reds fan since, you know, probably early to mid nineties. Frankly. Right, right. I don't know. I don't know. After they got Junior Griffey, man, I was pretty optimistic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we all were. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was a time when the Reds were actually trying for a brief period of time, and I don't. Know, it seems like we've kind of it's kind of gone off the rails a little bit in some ways. But um, yeah, no, he's a, he's a he's a big time asset to, to the organization. Glad he's back. Um, the one thing you you know about Nick Crawl too, and and again, I know he, you know his um, you know there's some some word salad that kind of goes on there every once in a while, but the. Um, the one like things, even within his statements that I do find encouraging is, you know, uh, th- how much they're putting emphasis on scouting and development. And um, I remember years ago, that was one thing that the Reds, you know, didn't have any, you know, that was something that they never seemed to pay attention to at all. You know, especially when I was a kid, it was like, you know, it was net, it was always just go out and try to get the, the next superstar or the, the, the guy that was a superstar a couple years ago, trying to get him over here now, you know? And, um, it seems at least, you know, at least what they're saying publicly, you know, and even, you know, obviously with people coming up like Jonathan India and obviously Hunter Green and like, you know, um, uh, it at least seems like there there's a more emphasis on that. For, so the pipeline is at least always kind of putting out new talent, you know, which is which is encouraging, you know. Yes, I mean uh, certainly March shot back in the day. Why how, how do I have so many scouts? All they do is watch baseball games. <laughs> right, uh, right. The worst quote ever. But I think the, probably the flip side to that argument, uh, uh, just to push back maybe just a little bit, is that well, that's an easy thing to say um, when you're not going to spend money on the big leaguers. Tell the fans that you're going to focus on scouting and sure. development. And, sure, and, I get it. And yeah. and and they got rid of C.J. Gilman, the hit, the hitting coordinator, and Cal Bodie, the pitching coordinator, who were focusing on developing and had done a good job by all appearances. Um, but also, you know, I just think that what we saw during that Dick Williams era was that for a brief period of time they did focus on uh, the minor leagues. And that's why what we're seeing the fruits of now. You're right, man. We're really seeing the fruits of it here in the next couple of years. I think we will. Yeah. But uh, they also were paid attention to the big league club as well for a very brief period of time and uh it didn't last obviously but uh i I think crawl and i i poke fun at him probably more than i should because i think he's a genuinely good guy i think he's a smart guy and i think he is i actually think he's probably capable of doing this job even he's not capable of the pr side of it he can't can't talk he's bad at talking as we say um but I've talked to him enough to know, and I've talked to other people that know him enough to know that he's not an idiot. He's not oh, right. incompetent. Of course. 
Um, I think he's being hamstrung and he's having difficulty navigating the Phil Castellini side of it. Um, but, um, you know, uh, I hope they really do genuinely put real focus on the minor leagues um, going forward because that may be our only way to get talent. And uh, uh, the next two, three years, we've got some real talent coming through. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and I keep saying Dick Williams, can I just say this? I keep saying Dick Williams did this, Dick Williams did that. He didn't make every right decision, you know. Uh, he signed Mike Moustakas. He made, yeah, he made some bad moves yeah. too, but at least the Reds were trying, I felt like, at that time. So, um, well, Real quick, uh, yeah. uh, and, and I don't know if we're jumping off this subject and, and I'm, I'm steering in a different direction, but I, I am curious, um, what do you, in terms of third base, I mean, you know, obviously Suarez had the decent September. I mean, is that, if you were a betting man, or is that kind of where you're thinking that's probably going to be, he's going to be, Suarez will be the starting third baseman versus Moustakas? Boy, it's tough to say. I think, yeah, probably coming into the season. It's interesting because they signed Moustakas, that four-year deal, you know, big money for Cincinnati. And um, I don't know where you're playing. I don't know how you play him next year. Uh, Unless he beats out, quote-unquote, Suarez for third. I think those guys are kind of in a competition uh, because I don't see him going out and getting anyone. Right. Um, I think I probably lean towards Suarez. I'm not particularly... You know, I don't particularly believe after Suarez is a good September. I want to believe because I love that guy more than sure. just about any Reds player in the last 20 years. Um, but it's kind of, you know, you're going to have to prove it to us. But uh, I would give him a slight edge. What would, you, what, what would you do if you were making the decision going into spring training? I mean, yeah, the same. I mean, I think, you know, I I would think that, you know, with the whole thing with the beginning, the year starting off at shortstop and then getting moved back and kind of bounced around a little bit. You know, I know there are professional league ball players, but that's got to mentally do a little bit something to you, you would think. And, um, you know, I mean, obviously that was a long period of getting comfort over at third because he'd been playing third for a while before he started kind of hitting again, obviously. But still, um, you know, I, I mean, obviously it was very encouraging at least to see that in September, at least where it felt like he at least figured it out back again. So, um you know, that's the direction I would leave. And then obviously Moustakis, obviously there's the injury question too, you know, so it seems like he has, uh, unfortunately has, you know, a hard time staying healthy, you mm-hmm. know, too as well. And sure. the clubhouse, you know, and, and we don't know what's going on in the clubhouse, obviously, but, but I mean, you can see Suarez, I mean, he's like, I mean, of all the Reds, he's the guy that I'd want to go hang out with, you know yeah. what I mean? In terms of like his positivity sure. about the, but, you know, so there's that aspect, which he's got going for him too, as well, you know? Yeah, and, and, and I'm sure he's a, he's a he's a key guy in that clubhouse. Yeah, I've, I, I think that this, it makes sense. The he probably has a slight edge. Mustakas, I just I don't know what I don't know if there is to recommend him for that. Uh, the fact the fact of the matter is Mustakas has been a has had a good major league career, but he's never really been that much above 500 uh, about 500 above average in his career in terms of he's been slightly above average when he was at his best, and so he he helps the team. And he was yeah, and, and I was glad they signed him. I thought he could be good at second base, but the Reds, uh, you know. They don't need a second baseman now. They need a third baseman, and uh, at least Suarez has been an all-star level third baseman. Uh, and he's yeah. still he's going to be thirty next year, but so he's younger than Mustakas. I, I don't know. I want to believe that September was uh, was uh, was the return, uh, the resurgence, right? Um, right? And about second base, uh, let's let's talk about Jonathan India for a moment because that's some of the, uh, the news that we had this the last couple of weeks that we need to talk about. Is Jonathan India has been named a finalist for National League Rookie of the Year, which is the thing they do these days. And uh, uh, he also, Baseball America, gave out a, a, a Rookie of the Year award. They gave it to Jonathan India, and this was that was an award for both American and National League. They gave out one award, Jonathan India. The players, uh, the Baseball Players Association gave out their awards, and he was named Most Outstanding Rookie in the National League as voted on 
by the other players in the league. So uh, he's gotten two. He's probably going to win the the, uh, the rookie of the year award. And just uh, man, I'm I'm so I, I speculated before the season that he wasn't ready. I'm so glad. Or well, I said that I didn't know that he was ready yet. I'm so glad that he showed me he was ready because man, what a season! I love that guy. Oh man, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, we we could spend a whole podcast just talking just about him. I mean, he was just when, when they made the move. Moving when uh, David Bell moved him to the uh, you know the starting position at uh, you know or leadoff position excuse me, and uh, you know you're everybody was a little nervous of how that was going to go and he just you know embraced it and just um, he's just such a ball player I mean so you know no matter what about this past year and he's one of the big biggest reasons for that they were this has been one of the most fun teams to watch in a long time including teams that have made the playoffs in the last 10 or 15 years you know i mean 2010 is maybe the closest team where i had the most fun watching you know back when jay bruce and Votto were having their heyday but the um but still this team was pretty darn fun and uh, and he was such a huge part of that because it's every time he came to bat or got on base you just knew that something was gonna gonna happen you know it was he's just so exciting to, to watch i mean i just just love watching the guy you know yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got friends who have uh, who have younger children, and almost every single one of them, Jonathan is the, those kids' favorite player. He's like the the the, the favorite for kids uh, in Cincinnati uh, these days, and that's good to have something for the kids to get excited about with the Reds. It's kind of rare. And he's but... got such a he's got such a cool name too. I mean, you love seeing India on the back of the uh, you know the 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 uh, the jerseys. That sure. So cool, you know, and it's. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to talk? We were talking earlier about uh, Cassianos as a marketing machine. I mean, that this guy. I mean, you know, he's uh, you know tailor made for that. You know, you can market the whole team around that guy. You know, especially you know Votto's obviously was Votto got what two years left, three yes, years left. It's getting two, close, right? Two, yeah, yeah. Real quick question on a side note: Do you think after his contract runs out, you think? Vo- I mean, I know it depends partially on how he's playing physically at that point, but do you think? I mean, do you think at this point Votto will – his whole career will be in Cincinnati? Or do you think he'll go back to, like, mm. say, a Tor- Toronto and play a year just to go home and play hometown type thing? You know what I mean? That's uh, really interesting. Uh, and before this season, I, I thought this answer would be uh, easy. After he played so well this year, I'm not sure the answer is easy. It, you know, it, after he finishes out his career in Cincinnati, could he still be good for a year or two as a DH, for example? Right, right. Oh, I don't want to think about that, man. Why? Why do you mention that? Uh, I'm sorry. I'll keep it positive. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. I was getting ready to have a big conversation about Jonathan India is actually a hippie, and he shouldn't be a, the face of the Reds. Uh, and you, you took me a different direction. No, I love Jonathan India, and I love Joey Votto, um, and I'm so jealous about India's hair. It's glorious. As, as long as they don't do the uh, – remember the Bronson Arroyo? Um, remember the, the, the <laughs> cap with the hair thing? Yeah. So. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, the giveaway. Uh, I've got one of those around here somewhere, which is sad. <laughs> I collect all that stuff, but it's uh, – That's awesome. Yeah, that, yeah, as long as we don't get that, I'll, I'll be happy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, you've, you've hurt my feelings about Votto. I hadn't even considered that, that possibility, so – Oh, good grief. But uh, Jonathan and you're probably going to win National League Rookie of the Year. Uh, quick trivia time. Can you tell me the last two Reds to win Rookie of the Year? Oh, I, I know. That's this. not fair, right? It's not fair. It's not. It isn't fair, yeah. I'll, so. tell you, I'll tell you the seasons. Maybe this will help. Okay. 1999. Oh, I do. 1999, I do know. Scott Williamson, right? Scott Williamson. 2.4 yes, yes. ERA. Made the National League All-Star team. 23 years old. Rookie of the Year. And before that, yep. you, you'll get this one too, I bet. 1988. Uh, Sabo? Chris Sabo. See, wow. you won the trivia contest. Wow. Chris Sabo uh, also made the All-Star team uh, that season. So hopefully it'll be 
Jonathan India next. That's wild. All right. Uh, you know, anything else about the Reds that we really, we've kind of, we've kind of covered most of the things I had listed to talk about. Anything else specifically about the Reds that, that, that you want to talk about? Well, I mean, real quickly, I mean, you know, with all the moves that, that needed to happen, I mean, the winter meetings, I'm assuming, are still coming up. Is it, aren't they like that first week of December? Of December? Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Yeah. So, um, you know, hopefully we'll see some, you know, hopefully your your whatever your December 10th podcast or whatever it is or your new show by by then. Um, we'll, we'll have some you'll have some good news to talk about on that, you know. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we were, we're kind of timing it with the, the, the winter meetings. But now if there's a work stoppage and there might be, it could mean that the winter meetings don't happen for the big league clubs. Mm, when is it? When is that? Uh, is the cutoff day on that? Is that coming up? Soon? I think it might be December one. I got I saw, Ooh, I saw wow. the other day. I'm not sure. So it's coming up very soon. So, um yeah, but hopefully, hopefully. Speaking yeah. of which, you know, we we we're gonna launch a new uh, new version of the podcast, and I can't wait to to get you on here in uh, in living color in video. I can't wait either. I'm super excited about that. I'm very happy you guys are doing that. I mean, it's you you and I talked about it before we went on air tonight. It's the uh, it's the wave of the future here on this these internets. So uh, everything's video now. So uh, that's that makes sense that you guys yeah. are doing that. That's good. Yeah. Do you think there's any chance that this uh, the 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 YouTube channel for this uh, podcast or whatever our video podcast can be nearly as exciting as the freak based Twitch stream? That's going to take, you know, I'm, I'm new to the switch thing. I'm fairly, I just started it, but I'm, I'm digging it, you know, I, and that's, I love that because it's instant interaction. You're actually talking to people right there too, as well. But the best thing about you, you know, my favorite thing about your new show, you're getting ready to start. There were no, nobody can ever come back to you ever and give you a hard time about viewer mail ever again. <laughs> I, I held off for so long because it, we, this is such a dumb joke that I always make, but now it's going to be, we actually are going to have viewers. It's ridiculous. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, you, you, you saw the future. You saw the future before even, uh, what's the Facebook guy's name? Uh, the Zuckerberg yeah. guy. You, you, you knew it was happening before even he did. I knew we were going there eventually. There you go. I wish I could say that was the case, but yeah. Now, one of the things, first, one of the things, the biggest, biggest reason I think that I, uh, like talking, uh, baseball with you is like, we're roughly the same age. We've got some similar experiences, but we also, enjoy talking a lot about uh about movies and uh you're more of a comic book guy than i am i am and and we go back and forth on that i think you're probably right about in your opinions about comic book movies and you've educated me some but something we sort of discovered recently is that uh, we both have a uh a real affinity for the james bond series and so i wanted to very briefly i wanted to talk about the new movie and uh it was actually your idea to talk about it tonight and uh i want to get your thoughts about it and um and just your thoughts about James Bond, uh, the series, period. Any any initial thoughts before we dig into their most recent movie? Well, just like, you know, you asked me right at the beginning of this podcast about, you know, my love and affinity for the Reds. James Bond's been like that in my family. My mom, too, as well. I mean, she, you know, I was, she had me watching it. Even that she was more, I was kind of more grew up and more in the Roger Moore era when I was a kid. Um, she used to, she turned me on to all the Sean Connery stuff. Thank God. You know, I didn't even know there was a Roger Moore, even that that was the, the era that I should have known. I knew more of the Sean Connery stuff because of my mom. Perfect. And, um, and so that's what got me hooked. You know, I mean, I remember, you know, for almost from the time I could talk, I remember, you know, the, the classic lines, uh, do you expect me to talk, uh, 
no, I expect you to die, Mr. Bond. You know, from Goldfinger, lines right. like that. From Goldfinger, right, right. An odd job, and and so on. You know, and and uh, you know all those classic themes. And stuff. I mean, I even had a. Um, I don't know if I even told you this, or not or chat, or if you know this or not, but I had a band I toured with uh, about seven, eight years ago called The Band Is Bond, and we did. Um, wow. All ja- we did all the themes from James Bond. We never played Cincinnati. We played uh, mostly East Coast, like we did uh, New York a few times, Philadelphia, but. Um, but we did uh, had this amazing singer Jennifer Hartswick who tours with Trey Anastasio, just, just incredible pipes on her. So, and she just like destroyed wow. all, all the all the all the female vocals. So, and it was such a fun fun gig. You know, it's learning all those songs. We didn't just learn the set the the song from the soundtrack. But we'd actually learn like some of those musical scores too, and do some of those some of those John Williams like dun 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 dun. Oh So it was a really fun gig. So. Um, yeah, James Bond has always been a huge part of my um, my world, and um, I had no idea. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun stuff, man. And um, so you know, and the Daniel Craig thing, and you know, just like how I just fell in love with Batman so much more when Christopher Nolan took it over with the Dark Knight mm-hmm. and that realistic take. When 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 the whole Daniel Craig era is just like brought it to just a whole nother level and um which you know i know we'll talk about this new movie here in a second but um you know it was kind of sad sad to me because you went through the, the, yeah the, i have a real hard time kind of getting through the roger moore some of the roger moore films you know yeah. and um you know i know you and i have joked about that and um you know it felt like they were almost kind of trying to course correct with timothy dalton and it was weird and i mentioned this to you when we texted once but like timothy dalton was such a weird error for the bond thing because it felt like it was almost they were trying to do the daniel craig thing but they had the writers still from the roger moore era they couldn't figure out which side of the fence they wanted to be on with him and um but yeah for the last few years you know and and i think the one thing too is so neat about these new bond films now is the fact that they're it's the first time, you know, as opposed to each film being kind of like a standalone film, which is what kind of the precedent that was set before that, that there's like a connecting storyline between all these films, which is really, really cool. So anyway, that's, yeah. that's, that's, that's my James Bond thing in a nutshell. Yeah. I don't know that I like the fact that there's this kind of uh, story that progresses between films so much. So I, w- I want to get into that, but um, I, for, I was, I was going to ask you a different question, but you prompted a different one now. Uh, okay. I think of another one, which is, which, what's the best Bond theme? Since you did all those, what's the what's your favorite oh of the Bond themes? I've got two. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all so damn good. Goldfinger's so, I mean, my favorite. Yeah, yeah. You can't miss with that one, obviously. And what was uh, the one that Paul McCartney did? Oh, Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die. Those are my two yeah. favorites. Yeah, and that's actually in terms of the movie too. Of of the more movies, that's one of the better ones. Like they 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 didn't go full on silly yet at that point with him. It was one of his what his first or so, I think the man with the golden gun was first, and then that was the second one he did. So it, it hadn't he hadn't gone. So yeah, that's one of the in terms of his eras better ones. Oh my gosh, I mean. I mean, I even even recently. I mean, well, first off, I even love the Billy. You know, I know Billy Eilish is a controversial subject in Twitter world or whatever, but um, I like this new thing quite a bit. I'm not saying it's my favorite, but I like. I it's mean, good. I even like. I even like some of the. I love the. Um, you know, I'll tell you one of my favorite ones you might not um, think of is um, is uh, the world is not enough by Garbage, which is so good. That's mm. the, uh, the the movie wasn't great, but the but the um, the the song's really good and. Um, you know, of course, Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, you know, all the Shirley Bassey stuff. But um, um, 
but you know, and again, Skyfall, the Adele song. Oh, I that's mean, great. That's, mm-hmm. the, that's t- I mean, I think that of all the the modern songs, I think Skyfall is going to be the one that's going to be like the Goldfinger, where it's going to be thirty years from now, and that's one that's going to kind of last. The you know, it's going to have that that longevity factor. Of all of them, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I guess we'll probably go with those. Yeah. So, so the question I was going to ask you again before we get into No Time to Die, and if you're not a Bond fan, maybe you just skip this. I don't know, but uh, you should be a Bond fan. It's uh, there's a lot to lot to appreciate about this series. But um, here's my theory. I want to know if you, you agree with this. Uh, I ranked all the Bonds, on, uh, the the actors that that portrayed Bond, and uh, on Twitter at some point recently, and people yelled at me because that's what happens on Twitter. But <laughs> right. but my my thesis here is that. There's, there have been some bad Bond films, but every single actor that has portrayed James Bond has actually been a pretty good actor, but been a pretty good Bond. I, I like all of them. Now, the Roger Moore era Bonds were largely, other than The Spy Who Loves Me, um, is just uh, not great, frankly. Yeah. The Because they were so campy and they were just over the top, right. just trying to be silly. And So the scripts weren't good. Roger Moore was a pretty good Bond until he got too old, maybe, for the, for the role. Uh, we can just debate that, but I think every single actor that's portrayed Bond, I think they've all been pretty good. Now, do you, are there? Do you disagree with that? Are there some? That, I mean, obviously, there's some that I like more than others, but I think even the worst, who was Roger Moore to me, um, was pretty good as Bond. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, they're all accomplished actors, obviously. Um, um, you know, obviously Connery and 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 Daniel Craig are, and th- those are the two. That's my top two. Yeah, me too. And those would be really hard. I mean, you know, I could flip a coin and one day I'd say one and then one day I'd say the other, you know, in terms of who's my favorite Bond or who's the, who the best Bond. Obviously, Connery had the big advantage of when I think of James Bond in terms of the era for James Bond, I think early 60s Mad Men era. So he kind of had that advantage of actually living through that era, you know, um, like with the whole Art Deco look of everything and the way the colors sure. looked and the skinny ties and so on and so on. Um, but um yeah, I think I agree with you. I think all of them, you know, again, Roger Moore is a tough one, but tough more just because he, he was given some pretty crappy scripts, obviously, to work with. Yeah, not uh, his fault. But, but not his fault. Yeah, definitely. And, and you know, he, he definitely has some really amazing moments, you know, too, as well. The thing that I think that the reason, not just the acting talent and the scripts that both um, Connery and Craig both have above the other Bonds that have been in the series, but both those guys they could i feel like they could in real life be assassins which is what which james bond especially daniel craig of course but like even sean connery i mean sean connery was i think he was like an olympic swimmer or something like that i mean you really if he got into some of those fights you, you, those they, it felt believable like where pierce brosnan i mean i loved him as an actor he had he had the suave aspect yeah. of james bond but some of those fights that he got into i'm like oh, i'm not really sure if you could take that guy or not you know what i mean so yeah, absolutely uh, I've, yeah I've been doing a rewatch, and I'm up to the the Craig era now, and I've seen all up to Craig's first film, Casino Royale. And what came across to me was that they're all all these actors are pretty good in the role; they do a pretty good job. But that the most yeah. underrated actor, to me, I guess we could say George Lazenby, who was in uh, on her uh, Majesty's Secret Service in just one role. He was I, I love that movie, and he was good in it. But I think Timothy Dalton was kind of underrated uh, as a as a Bond. The, the the movies that he was in were were better than maybe it's just because I was comparing them to the, the Roger Moore era bonds that I'd seen before that, you know, because I've been watching them systematically. But right, he, I think he gets a bad rap in some ways. I think he was okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, he did two, right? Two, he did right? two. He did License two. to Kill. Well, first was uh, The Living Daylights and then License to Kill. 
Yeah, and uh, License to Kill, especially if I remember, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember that being pretty good, and and um, the villain was good in it too as well. Obviously, which is such a huge part of the Bond thing is how good the villains are. Um, no, it was great. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I, I think he was a, he was, a, and I was actually a little surprised that uh, you know I don't know why his contract was. I mean, obviously, maybe they weren't making the kind of box office that they were expecting with him, but. I was kind of a little surprised when he only did two. I thought he would have lasted at least maybe at least four, you know? Yeah, well, maybe it was just that they had an opportunity to get Pierce Brosnan, who they wanted to get before they got uh, right. Timothy Dalton, but he was tied up on a television program. Um, right. You and I have talked about doing a podcast on these. We need to do a deep dive, deep dive oh, yeah, into, uh, into sure. Bond. But let, let's talk quickly about No Time to Die, because, see, clearly we need to have podcasts because we're, we're talking too much about this. Uh, we got too much to say, but... Um, no Time to Die, the most recent the James Bond film. Uh, we may have a spoiler here later. I'll, I'll warn you before we give that spoiler about what happens at the very end. Yeah, it's a um, big one. It is. Um, but uh, I get the sense that you're uh, you're all in on, on Daniel Craig. And so I'm guessing you probably really liked No Time to Die. I did. And and just not all the Daniel Craig, uh, what, Quantum of Solace, I wasn't a fan of at all. You know, and I, I that was a tough one to get it was to, not to good. be honest with you. Yeah, it wasn't. And um now, on the flip side, Casino Royale, which is his first one, is probably my favorite of all of them. Um, but, um, the um, yes, I did. I really like this one a lot. And I've watched it twice now, too. I, I did a rewatch of it, and it's even better the second time. Um, I, you know, um, Phoebe Waller, who was a big writer on it, she writes, there's a show on, yeah. I don't know if any of your viewers watch Fleabag, you know, she, so she's super talented. And, and just, like... The cinematography, I mean, it really, everything that you think of James and the way that they, you know, again, I'm not going to give the spoiler yet because I know you're saving that, but like the way they even tied, you know, you brought up George Lazenby, you know, they re, the way they tied in that, you know, you know, the song, we're talking about songs, you know, the Louis Armstrong song and, yeah. and that the way they pulled that in. There were several places just, where they kind of gave callbacks. To, if you really love Bond, you're going to kind of see these callbacks to previous versions. Yeah. And even the most the most um, kind of tongue in cheek I've ever seen Daniel Craig. But, you know, he did a couple of those one liners, which I was kind of like, oh, I've never seen him actually do that before. Kind of a little Sean Connery ish little action going on there and a couple of little things. Um but yeah, I just, I, and you know, right from the beginning, that, that opening sequence, you know, which a lot of, you know, a lot of the opening sequence was in the trailer, you know, with, with the, the whole thing with the car and everything and jumping off the bridge and the motorcycle and all that stuff. But still, my goodness, it was that's fun. like, oh gosh, yeah, so good. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but I don't know, what's your, what's your, you know, I, long story short is I, I, it's not my, I would say just real quickly um, in terms of the Daniel Craig era. You know, I would have said Casino Royale, then Skyfall, definitely second. But it's kind of, for me, it's actually not knocked Skyfall to third for me. Um, so it's like, you know, obviously uh, Casino Royale, then then No Time to Die, then then Skyfall 3 in terms of that that era. Yeah. Interesting. And that's a question I was going to ask you. How do we rank the, the, the Craig era bonds? Because for me, Skyfall's number one by far to me. Uh, above above Casino Royale? Above Casino Royale. I've got Casino Royale 2. And No Time to Die is, is kind of in there with... Uh, Oh goodness, which Spectre? one? Spectre. Uh, Spe- I mean, it's it's ahead of Spectre, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I, I like Spectre. Spectre got a little bit of a bad rap. I like. I mean, the only one that I thought was crappy was was Quantum of Solace. Oh, that's I absolutely mean, really, true. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's true. I, I agree. I don't. I like Spectre. The, the fact of the matter is, if you have not seen No Time to Die yet, I would suggest you actually watch Spectre. 
you you almost need you almost have to in yeah. a way. I mean, yeah, yeah I it's hadn't very watched important. it since it came out, and so I wished I had rewatched it to kind of because you kind of need to know this is the thing that this most recent installment does uh, more than any other Bond film uh, ever, really. Which is just it's it's like a continuing storyline, and I got to be honest, I'm sick of hearing about Vesper Lind. You know, I mean, let's have a new story. Um, yeah, but. Uh, but uh, but but no time to die is very good. I think it's number three probably in, in, in the Craig era bonds, which means it's incredibly fun. And you're right, he, he's he's got a little bit of that the one liners, a little bit of the you know uh, humor, which they have to. I feel in Quantum of Solace particularly, they just they're trying to make a modern action movie, and they went away from some of the things that make me love Bond, which are some of those one liners. But they also. Yeah. But but what the Craig era got right is that you can do some of that stuff. You can do the you know Bond, James Bond, uh, you know Shaken, Not Stirred, all those things. Right. While right. also having a, a a modern action thriller that makes you really care about the characters, and uh, you know No Time to Die, it, uh, I, I loved it. I've only seen it the one time. I want to see it again. I really did enjoy it. You know, I get four stars out of five. I think that uh, Daniel Craig is is really good in it. Um, I I'm do not, like um, um, Rami Malek as a villain. Well, I was going to say, I'm not, uh, I'm not sure. I think I'm still uh, irritated that he stole a uh, Best Actor an Oscar. For, uh, for, for Freddie Mercury, yeah. For playing yeah. Freddie Mercury. Uh, he didn't yeah. deserve that Oscar just because he looked like Freddie Mercury. But he's fine. I don't know that he's given enough to do to really make him a great Bond villain. But he was fine. Right, right. Um, he's not Blofeld, although we did get some Blofeld in yeah. this one. Um, my My thought was... The best part of this film, by far, and I do encourage everyone to go see it if you, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, the the I don't think it's even close. The scene when they're in Cuba, I think they're in Cuba, with uh, Bond and Anna de Armas's character. Oh right, right. that was yeah. there was like twenty minutes there. That's all you saw her, but it was like <laughs> the best twenty minutes of the film. I mean, it was really incredible. Yeah, that was a great, great scene. Yeah, yeah, and, and she was she was great in it too as well. And and just even like the scene within the the party, the like the the the, the direction in that whole area oh, part was just incredible. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, perfect. Um, you know, Leah Sadu um, is good in this movie. I like how they started out kind of with her story. Um, you know, uh, the in the in the home with her mother yep. and it was interesting. Wait, I was like, what is going on here? This is not Bond. This is not a Bond right, opening right. scene. I thought that, that that was a cool thing to start with her as opposed to a scene with him. You know, yeah, I thought that was great too. It's, yeah, I got to say though, it's only the the second best movie I've seen her in in 2021. Leah Sadu. Oh, I, I don't know her her repertoire as well. What what, what, what well, else is she in? She's been in uh, she's been in a couple I think of Tarantino films, but uh, this year she's been she was in The French Dispatch, the best movie I've seen this year. Oh, I, yeah, Wes Anderson. Um, ah, I can't get anybody to do a that. Wes Anderson podcast with me, but yeah, she's good in that. But anyway, um, so yeah, Christoph Waltz is in it. I guess now let's let's talk about this ending because I want your take on this ending and what it means for the Bond franchise. So this is a spoiler alert right here. You know, you go forward a couple minutes. Uh, it's, I don't know, five minutes. Maybe just stop listening, period, until you've seen the movie. But mm. we're going to do some spoilers. And I know people on the interwebs hate spoilers, so I'm, I'm warning you. Yeah. Okay, now you've had a chance to turn it off. We're over the spoiler wall. Yeah. <laughs> At the end, James Bond dies. What were what were what are your thoughts about ending the movie with James Bond actually dying? Uh, well, I mean, there's also another spoiler that that you've brought up yet. Also, he's got a, he's it. got a kid. He's got a kid too. He's got a child yeah. coming. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, or not coming, um, but yeah. The, the child. Was, yeah. yeah. The child yeah. was his. Yes. With deep blue eyes, just like Daniel Craig. Um, I yeah. saw that. I saw that coming, but 
Oh, you did? I did that kind of that kind of got me. I mean, I'm usually pretty good at predicting stuff, but that was kind of you know it, that was that was that was a nice little twist, I thought. Yeah. But um, yeah, you know, I, on second watching, I liked it even more. You know, it, it was startling at mm-hmm. first. You know, because usually always those you know how it is with James Bond. Even if the that thing that 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 missile could have been two feet from from the island, he'd figure out a way to to get out of it or he'd talk to Q and Q would have told him just to do this and you get rid of the nanobots or whatever they were called. Right. And, uh, so it was a little startling at first, but it, um, with the Craig era, it almost, you know, it was the way it had to end. It, it almost had to end that yeah. way for him, you know, cause he was, yeah, it felt with the way that it was a continuing storyline. It fit, you know, it felt like it felt right. And then obviously if you know, like anybody, if you watch, you know, all the credits to the end, we do get the James Bond will return. It doesn't say 007 will return. Right. It says James James Bond will return. So, um, so you know, obviously there's going to be a whole new uh, recasting and 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 you know uh, retelling of the story again. Which, um, but yeah, I, I think you know it was startling at first, but on second time, with second watching, it, it sat okay with me. What about you? Yeah, and I want to talk about what comes next. Uh, certainly, uh, to me. I, I I don't know. I didn't get a spoiler, but I saw something. I tried to stay away. Went, for these movies that I like, again, The French Dispatch, Wes Anderson. I was I stayed away from trailers. I didn't want to see anything. With sure. No, with no time to die, even though it was like two years between when it was supposed to come right, out. Right, right, right. I tried to stay away from all that, but I saw something that made me think, is he is he going to die at the end of this? I don't know what it, I don't remember what it was. Some tweet. Right. But um, my thoughts are well, like I said, this arc of James Bond, Daniel Craig as James Bond. It might be where it had to end because the reason that he died to me was he was never going to be able to touch that child. You know, because it it was like a selfless act. Like he chose to die. He could have gotten out of it. James Bond always gets out of it. He could have gotten out of it. And, but is it worth, is it, you know, if I can't touch my child, I don't know. That's what, I guess as a parent, and, and you'll understand this, uh, that's what yep. kind of a, uh, I don't know, an appeal to me, but that's where my mind went. So, um, well, and also I think the idea of not just physically touching them, but also the idea of like, do I know how my lifestyle is and how I, you know, you, you saw in the course of this movie, how easy he got pulled back into what he was doing, even that he was trying mm-hmm. to walk away from it. Do I want this, my child to be, or, you know, is it fair? Right? It, yeah, am I putting my child in danger constantly? Me being around, you know, yeah. it's almost kind of like the, 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 going back to the superhero con, you know, the reason why some of the superheroes wear masks, it's to protect the people that they're around. So there, I'm sure there's a little bit of that going through his head, the character's head, or at least the, the thought of doing it with the character that they're not putting the, as the kid gets older, they're not putting it in danger constantly because of his past, you know, past life. We're going way deeper into this than I actually expected we would on this podcast. So if, if know, know, I'm, everybody's quit listening, but I don't care. I'm enjoying. This is maybe evidence that we need to do a podcast uh, yeah, specifically. Yeah. I'm Bond, down. I've told you. I'm all about it. We yeah, need to. Sure. We need to try to flesh that out and figure out how how it'll work. But, um, but I want to talk about what comes next because there are a couple ways the Bond franchise could go with this. More than a couple, which is that they could just kind of just do what Bond has always done. There's a new guy, and we don't reference what happened before. You know, and if they do that, we can talk about who we think should play that role. They could, um, they could play it as, oh, James Bond 007 has died, but here's our new 007. And this movie, again, that's a spoiler, but there's a new 007 in this one. Um, uh, and her name was, oh, what was it? Uh, 
Oh right, right. I know you're talking about. Yeah, the actress that played. Yeah, she was. In, she was I, also in uh, Captain Marvel too, yeah, as well. I think it's Lashana yeah. Lynch. I think is her name. Yeah, and, that is that is correct. Yeah, yeah I'm ninety percent sure that's it. Yep. And so she was good. You know, um, certainly the literally the opposite of the traditional James Bond in every way. Sure. Yep. Um, and so they could do that. Um, where do where do they go? Where do they go? Uh, you know, Daniel Craig came out and said, "Well, you know, I think James Bond needs to keep going and." Kind of because that's who James Bond needs to be a, a guy, but why can't we? Why can't we go di- uh, in a different direction as well? My thought was because I, I think, but this Marvel universe stuff is why don't they have a series with a 001, 002, 003, mm. 004, 005, 006, and they can kind of create this big universe with these yeah. agents doing things all around the world. To me, that's like that would be an incredible cinematic universe, and they could intersect with uh, whoever the next James Bond James Bond is. Yeah, um, I don't know. That was my thought. You have any thoughts about what comes next? Given that wow, that he died, I never thought of that. That's almost like, especially if there was like, you know, if they could cut like almost like a whatever the streaming equivalent. Of, what Bond's Universal, right? I think that's who did puts out the Bond flicks. I think it's Universal. It's actually Bond. Warner Brothers, and they were just bought by Amazon. Amazon oh. Amazon owns the Bond franchise now. Oh, oh, well, so that's going to be streaming soon. That's good to know. So um, yeah. that's right. That's yeah. That's right. That makes sense. So. Um, you know, if they did the type of thing like Disney Plus is doing with the Star Wars universe, right. where they could actually make that those streaming series, yeah, and then maybe just save just the O Double O Seven ones for the actual cinematic, you know, type things, you know, almost like a Mandalorian versus Star Wars type thing. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think, but I have a tendency to think they're going to play it a little more conservative than that. I mean, I could be wrong, but I, you know, the broccolis have been, you know, mm-hmm. it's been in that yeah. family forever. And I have a feeling they're, they're like, if it ain't, if it ain't break or bro- if it don't, if it's not broke, don't fix it mm-hmm. kind of situation. You know, I mean that this month that from last I checked before we went on air to, uh, uh, a few days ago, they were, um, you know, the, the, it's making mass, mass bank right now, especially over. I mean, it's doing well in the States, but it's doing like is it? crazy over in the UK right now. Yeah. Yeah. And then across sea. So it's going to be in terms of like box office, it's going to be, especially in the, you know, the, the pandemic era, you know, it isn't even, it's going to do very good numbers. So, um, I, I think that um, my guess what they would still just straight up just recast, you know, a, a new James Bond, you know, and they're going to do, mm-hmm. you know, they'll, they'll, you know, they will make it, I'm sure, some huge, it'll probably be the biggest rollout that we've ever seen because even when Craig got cast, yeah, it was internet era, but it was, what, 2004, 2005, I think, I think uh, Casino Royale came out 2006. So it was still, you know, social media wasn't where it was even today, you know, so, um, um, but with that said, let me ask you then, let me turn the tables on you. If, if they do cast, recast James, but well, they're obviously recasting them. Um, do you have any thoughts on, you know, who's, who's your, who's your favorite? Who's it, who it's going to be? <clears throat> you know, I've been saying this for a while. Um, and because I, I wasn't sure that, that Craig was going to come back for this one. And so I've had my thoughts on who it should be. And uh, this is one that was mentioned. He may be too old to start being Bond at this point. I don't know. But to me, Idris Elba would have been an amazing oh, yeah. James Bond. And I don't I don't yes. think it's going to happen at this point. But to me, that was the guy that I really wanted to see. Um, you, I would love that, too. Yeah. I, I, I think the only thing, like you said already, I think it's just age is the only thing that's going against him because they, they obviously want to sign them for four or five, six movies, you know. Yeah, so right. and he's he's I think in his early 50s now, which is about what Craig is. So um, I think Craig started probably in his like late 30s, very early 40s. So um, 
So yeah, so that would be the only thing. I mean, I've heard Tom Hardy before, which I don't, I'm so, I don't really see that, but um, I mean, he's a great actor, you know. Of course, the the Henry Cavill is the thing that I hear a lot of. But oh yeah, I love yeah, I love Henry Cavill. I just don't know if he's got the acting chops. For I don't it. see it. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, I I love him. Believe me, I love him as Superman. I mean, he was he was like cut from you know the tailor made for that role, but. Um, you know, I've seen him in other things, and it's not like he's a terrible actor. It's it's kind of like almost like it's the role's got to kind of fit him for it to work. If he was even good in Mission Impossible, I thought he was good in that. But he was like, it's got to kind of fit his thing. I just don't. There's so much depth to the way that they're doing Bond right now, and obviously Craig is an amazing actor, and so was Connery. Obviously, Connery won an Academy Award for The Untouchables years later. So they're all like you mentioned right when we first started having this conversation, how good the uh, no matter how what the films were, the actors were all still really good. So um, you know, I know I'd mentioned to you, and he's kind of right on the bubble of the age. I think he's probably in his probably mid 40s right now. I'm guessing is um, Michael Fassbender. That's who I. Oh I yeah. Yeah, you know. Um, oh, he'd be fantastic because he's, he's got the acting chops, right? He's got the acting chops. He's 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 that perfect combination of handsome, but yet still kind of a little bit rugged and a little bit crazy looking, like Craig has. You know, like you're not sure which way he's going to go, like an assassin type thing. Um, yeah, so I, that's someone I I would love to see him in the role. And I think again, I think he's at the right age where he could at least get at least three or four movies under his belt and it would still be believable. Yeah, they got these betting odds, and Tom Hardy leads. And I, I like Tom Hardy. I, I do too. I yeah. love. I loved him in uh, Peaky Blinders. You know, uh, he's great in everything. But I'm not sure I see it. Uh, another guy that was mentioned was uh, Richard Madden, who um, Game of Thrones. Oh, and he's also in the um, the Eternals, right? He's the now in the Eternals. Eternals. Who did he play? Right. He was not uh, John Snow in uh, in Game of Thrones. He was. Uh, he was the, I'm actually not, believe it or not, a, not a Game of Thrones person. Ooh, I think it's, it was, hard, it's, hard, it's hard to say, but yeah. I think it was Rob Stark. I'm probably wrong. Everybody will tell me, but uh, and I could see him, I guess. But uh, he's yeah, also, I could kind of see him, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was in a show I really enjoyed that you can see on Netflix now called uh, Medici. Uh, the, it's about the Medici family in Florence and the, the Renaissance, but he was great in that. Um, Dustin Hoffman's in that. But anyway, um, but I think we probably agree that they're not going to go with Lashana Lynch. Um who was in this most recent No Time to Die and seemed to be, I don't know if they were trying to present her as a possibility, as a uh, as a replacement or the next 007. I don't think, I don't I don't see it happening that she's going to be uh, 007, but uh, again, maybe there's some other future in a, a larger 007 universe. Well, no, my question is like, if they do just kind of do a whole new kind of storyline are they going to re just put bond out of it for a second are they going to recast everybody you know that we're going to get a new q and a new uh you know uh miss money penny and and m and M-ray everybody right fine yeah yeah right so yeah. that's another question you know well they've never really completely rebooted like that right you know um judy dench right. was the best m as far as i'm concerned uh you know she she went from the bond era to the craig era and uh oh that's she, right she did didn't she that's yeah. right yeah and q yeah. was q began with uh with connery i think and went all the way up through brosnan if i'm not mistaken that's right that's right they did carry over i forgot that was that's kind of like the little thing they do with the yeah. Bond. yeah so maybe, maybe they wouldn't do we'll that see. you're right yeah. yeah yeah um if uh here's what i said they need to have double uh, oh eight and this is my hot take of the night I think the most perfect, if we're talking about um, a female actor to uh, to play uh, one of these special agents, I'm I'm going all in. Give me Emily Blunt. 
if you know if, if you could have a 008 or a 006 or whatever you're doing sure, that separate sure. one i think she'd be perfect she's like oh. the best uh actress she's not just mary poppins for those of you that don't know her <laughs> she's uh, right, right, right. she's incredible so yep. um anyway i don't know that was my that was my pro- my proposition that uh but i think it's got to be clearly me well, I'm just, I'm just really happy. Like, you never know when, like, you know, is Bond gonna? Fit? That's, that's what's just so blow away. And I think, you, I think I remember you doing a tweet about this, or someone, or you were replying to someone's tweet once about a franchise, the most successful movie franchise of all time, or something like that. And just like, think about what, what are the, what did uh, Doctor No come out? What, sixty two, sixty three, something like that. I guess. Uh, yeah, and it's like, think about that. The, you know, fifty plus, you know, Virgin on sixty years. It's just, and everyone, I mean, I'm sure they've probably had, I don't think any of them have bomb bomb. I mean, there might've been some that didn't do the box office like others, but it's like amazing that, that it stood, you know, generations and yeah. it, and it still, and it translates still, you and, know, it's yeah, still, still relevant. Yeah. So still, yeah. still, still making money at the box office and, and people care about who the next bond is. And, you know, um, it's, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I get a kick out of the franchise. I've really enjoyed this rewatch. I've been trying to do to, of all the films, uh, before we go, we gotta we gotta get out of here. We gotta we gotta talk this all night, and maybe we'll oh, we'll yeah, do sure. that in the future. But uh, what uh, can you give me? Maybe your top three, top two, top three Bond films of all time for people that aren't into the Bond. Uh, where, where where do we start? I can give you my top three, but if you want me to do that first, but uh, do you, can you tell me your top three? I think to start with, this is not necessarily my favorite, but I would say start with uh, Goldfinger would probably be number one. That's I would number, start with that. You know, yeah, agree. Number That's one. my number one. Yes, and then um, probably say Casino Royale number two. I would say um, Skyfall number two. So, but we're we're uh, the Craig era. Yeah, yeah, and then um, yeah, I would. I mean, I would. I'd, I'd probably have to. I'd have to probably choose another Daniel Craig. It would probably be either <laughs> Skyfall or No Time to Die. Yeah, yeah. And so. One of those two, yeah. Two well, of, which is weird. I thought two out of three would have been Connery's if you would ask me a while ago. But it's just, I, just Craig is just man. He's just so damn good at the role. It's just, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty incredible. Well, maybe if you're talking about trying to get a new fan into Bond, maybe you do go with Craig because they're different. But my third one probably from Russia with Love. Um, oh, that's a great one too. Which yeah. is the second Bond film and uh, Sean Connery yeah. and just uh, incredible. So yeah, Thunder Thunderball too. That's the one right after uh, uh, Goldfinger's is great too. That's a great villain in it and everything. You know, great theme song, everything. Tom Fantastic. Jones killing it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The worst Bond film of all time, and it's not even close in my mind. Moonraker. Do not. Yeah. Wa- I only watch Moonraker if you're trying to watch all the Bond movies. That's my opinion. That's that. That was like to compete with. The, that was like during the whole Star Wars thing, wasn't it? Like to kind of compete with like the whole Star Wars fascination. Yeah, let's send James Bond to space. Yeah, yeah, that was that was that was pretty rough. Yeah, View to a Kill is pretty tough too as well. I love the theme song. I love Duran Duran, but the um, and I love Grace Jones and I love Christopher Walken. But it was all, it was Virgin on almost yeah. being a co- comedy. It know? was so. It yeah. was. Um, yeah, if you want to watch a Roger Merrill. Roger Moore one, uh, The Spy Who Loved Me, is legitimately one of the best Bond movies ever. It's really good. Yeah. Um, but Moonraker, there was a uh, there was a pigeon in the in the movie that does a double take. It's just it's ridiculous. It was just over the top. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. Anyway, um, freak base, my man. This has been a blast, and I think we've <laughs> this is proof of concept. We've gone longer than we really should have gone, but that uh, that we need to talk more about James Bond. Um, I'm I'm ready and any time. Yeah, right. definitely. Well, let's, start, definitely. let's start drawing up the uh, the plan for how these episodes are going to go. I guess, but Funksgiving, November 26th. 
Go to Funk. Friday, November 26th. Yep. Ludlow Garage. Where can you get tickets? Uh, well, Ludlow, the, the, I think their website for Ludlow Garage, Ludlow Garage Cincinnati, um, you know, it's available at Ticketmaster. I mean, anywhere, you just do a Google search, you know, uh, Freak Base, Funksgiving, Ludlow Garage, it'll come up. And um, uh, yeah, FreakBase.com, which is the website, of course, they're, they're available there. But um, yeah, I hope everybody, can, I mean, it's um, it's going to be great to be playing back in Cincinnati. I think it's going to be a really fun night. I, I talked to the promoter a few days ago. He said tickets are selling really well and moving quick. So, you know, if you're, if you're on the, on the fence, put about, about it, um, you know, grab some up and uh, come up and say hello and tell, tell me in person who your favorite James Bond is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. If you made it to the end of this massive episode. Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. We need Red Leg, Red Leg Nation radio uh, to really make a good showing and uh, go out and see, uh, see freak bass and, and funks giving my man. This is always fun. I, I get a kick out of talking to you and I got a feeling we're going to start doing this a little bit more often in the future. Oh, I can't wait. Thanks, Chad. All right. Well, this is episode number 399 of Red Leg Nation Radio. I want to thank our uh, our buddy Freak Bass from, for joining us tonight. Go to Funksgiving. Get those tickets. Get out there. Go. And we're going to have a lot more for you coming with the uh, with the Reds going forward. So for Freak Bass and, uh, and Auric Goldfinger, this is Chad Dotson saying so long, everyone. Thanks for listening to Red Leg Nation Radio from RedLegNation.com. Subscribe to Red Leg Nation Radio on iTunes or through your favorite podcast app. And join us for discussion of all things Reds at RedLegNation.com. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week.